Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast that goes beyond the day-to-day to help you pivot and build your dream career and business so that you can live your most aligned life of purpose and potential and ultimately achieve freedom and fulfillment. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today I am so delighted to finally share this guest conversation with you. This particular episode was recorded over two months ago, and I have been itching to get it out there to share this with you and to spread this gift with the world. Because this guest, Yvonne Caputo, has lived an incredibly rich, accomplished, and inspiring life. Yvonne is 76 years old, and she has transformed her life over and over again. She's been a teacher, she's a psychotherapist, she's still working, a corporate trainer, and she published her first book at the age of 72. Absolutely inspiring. And now at the age of 76, she has published her second book. So in this conversation, I sit down with Yvonne and talk with her about the purpose of life. Can you have more than one purpose? How Yvonne has the zest that she does to continue showing up and to shine her light on this world year after year, decade after decade. How she's been able to go against the culture of sticking to one thing and doing it for the rest of your life. How she has navigated any thoughts that, oh, is it too late for me to pivot and to change and to start a new thing? And so much more. I'm not going to lie. Throughout this episode, as I was interviewing Yvonne, I was kind of fangirling over her. I think she has such a beautiful story to share and she is a beam of inspiration, of empowerment and permission for women to rise up, to take up space, to make noise and to do what it is that they dream of doing, no matter what age you are, no matter what you have done or been up until this point. So let's get into it. This is my conversation with Yvonne Caputo talking about whether or not you can have more than one purpose. Yvonne Caputo, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. I'm so delighted that you're here and then we get to have this conversation. So am I. So am I. Um, We're so so far away, but this is so easy. Yes, it is, right? You know, the fact that we're sitting here, it never ceases to blow my mind how we can have a conversation from across the world. I am in the future from you. How cool is that? So I'd love to get straight into it because there is so much that I would love to hear from you. I know you've got incredible stories to share. So the first question that I would love to ask you is, you have said before that it's never too late to be transformed. Can you please share with us your story of how you have lived out that sentiment? So in my middle 60s, I'm on the phone with my father, and he tells me an incredible, funny, quirky World War II story. And I couldn't believe my ears because he'd never talked about the war. And we lived six and a half hours away. And on the next phone call, I, I just had this thing. And I said, Dad, if you're willing, start at the beginning. I'm in my mid-60s when this conversation is happening. And after several stories came rolling off his tongue, I thought, I've got something here. I've got a book. And I had done some research. And what I found online was there wasn't a lot in terms of the stories of people during World War II who were just ordinary GIs. You know, there was a lot about the war. There was a lot about the major players, you know, Eisenhower and 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 those folks. But there wasn't a lot about the day-to-day what a GI went through. So I decided that I was going to publish. Wow. But I am very clear when I say I know what I don't know. I'd never written a book before. I had never dreamed of being an author. So I started to do some research and I had people take a look at what I was doing, professionals. And long story short, at the age of 72, my first book 
was published. Oh, so talk love. about a transformation. If you can imagine the box arrives in the mail with the author's proofs, and I open up this box and I'm holding in my hand book a book that I had written that I needed to sit down and read page by page to make sure you know, that everything in it was the way I wanted it to be. So that in and of itself is really exciting. What is a little bit daunting and still is daunting because I'm now 76 and I've written my second book, but I've done it through what's called hybrid independent publishing. So I hired a publisher and the marketing of these books falls on my shoulders. Mm. So learning to pitch, learning to put myself out there, learning how to tell a story in such a way that you're going to get back in touch with me and say, yes, I'd like to talk. So all of that is just so brand new to me, but little by little, it's becoming more comfortable. So I've done, I would say, a pretty deep transformation. <laughs> Absolutely. Incredibly deep because even thinking of myself, when I pivoted careers in my mid-20s, I already caught myself thinking, oh, is it? Is it too late to start all over again? Am I going to waste my uni degree and all these years that I've put into my first career path if I change now? And you went through this whole new process starting in your mid-60s, publishing your first book at 72, now you're onto your second book at 76. And what I am very curious about is, did you have any of those thoughts? Did you have any of those thoughts of, oh, like, is it too late? Um, or did that not even cross your mind and you have a perspective of, I, I want to make the most of every single day and, and I'm going to do this? The second, making the most of every single day. Absolutely. That, yeah. That's just been a part of my life. But I think one of the things that made it less daunting for me is my first job was working in the kitchen in a hospital at the age of 13. Mm. Uh, then I did babysitting for the people next door. And then off I went to college to be a teacher. And then not until my 40s did I meet the man of my dreams. And he um, had two children, has two children, and we lived on other sides of the state of Pennsylvania. And I knew with his two children that I was not going to ask him to move to where I was. I was going to come to where he was because he really wanted to stay in his kids' lives. Yeah. So thank goodness along the way, I had gotten a second master's degree in clinical psych. I moved, couldn't find a teaching position ended up doing employee assistance work. And in employee assistance here in the States, it was a combination for me of doing counseling, uh, psychological counseling with those folks who had the employee assistance program. And my boss asked me to do management training. Never done that before. So I started to dive deep into what are best practices for a manager or a supervisor to have in order to guide and engage employees. So that lasted for nine years. And then I had the opportunity to do this kind of consulting and training for a retirement community. And four months after I finished um, a pretty extensive training program with them, their CEO called me and said, our human resource person is retiring. Would you be interested? And then I really had to struggle. Did I want to leave a job that I truly loved and embark on a brand new career? But one of the things that struck me was something that my mother had said to me a long, long time ago. So a segue into a different story. I was struggling as a teacher about whether or not to give up my job as a teacher of English 
to start teaching really bright kids. And my mother said to me, if you're in a position with the bright kids, how well will you be able to influence what they do in their adult lives? And I thought about that and said, she's right. She's absolutely right. Some of these kids could be the the movers and shakers, you know, uh, down the road. So I took that job. And her words came ringing back to me when I was struggling about, do I want to do human resources? And I thought, what would it be like to work within a company and do the kinds of things that I had said should be done when I was a trainer? And that opportunity is what tripped the trigger for me to spend the next 17 years working as the vice president of human resources for a retirement community. So for your listeners, along the way, I had had those opportunities of striking out in a different direction, still loving absolutely what I did. That never changed. And then just kind of broadening as I went along. So it didn't seem so insurmountable to me when the publishing thing came up. And again, I know what I don't know. And my students taught me that because they would come to me and say, well, Miss Caputo, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And I would say, I don't know. So let's find out. Let's, let's find out where we can go to get an answer to that. So if that's what I was teaching, then it was something I had to follow for myself. So I started researching independent publishing. I started researching the legal side of publishing. I started reaching out to professionals who could take a look at what I was doing and say, well, it's all right, but this is what you could do to make it better. So along the way, it went from first draft to second draft to third draft. And finally, when I decided to do the hybrid publishing thing, I met this incredible publisher who took my third draft, put it in a blender, threw it back at me and said, this is what I think you should do. And it ended up to be something I'm really proud of because I got the professional advice to kind of turn my story in a totally different direction. Wow. What a story. You know, we're we're 10 minutes into this episode and that is already such a goldmine of empowerment and permission for women out there to rewrite their story, to create new chapters in their lives. And I love that you're you're sharing that, especially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but especially with the, the, the generational differences as well. You know, maybe in today's world where things are moving at such a fast pace, there is so many opportunities, it is becoming more normalized to have multiple careers in a lifetime. But it may not have been so acceptable or so invited um, back when you were in your 20s and 30s. So how did you navigate the culture of, uh, you know, what you were experiencing? So what? how did you navigate the, the culture of, um, you know, what you should do versus you following your path of I want to do this and that and I want to create change in this way? Wow, that's a good question. I think if I really study that, it was my mother. I watched her change careers throughout my childhood. She went back to work when I was 13. And she went back to work because at that point, a single uh, career, my father, that it wasn't enough money. She, mm-hmm. They had four children. So I watched her kind of get back into it and be successful and and be proud of the kind of work that she was able to do. Mom was an assistant to the hospital administrator. And she went from there to working in public health in, in our state. And then she ended up being a supervisor in that same kind of field. 
And I would run into people in town who knew my mother who would just say, what a remarkable woman she was because of the transitions that she would make. So she really inspired me. But you're absolutely right. When I graduated from college, there were really two career options for women, teaching and nursing. And what year was this, out of curiosity, Yvonne? I graduated from high school in 1964, and I graduated from college in 1969. Yeah, very different times. And the other piece of your question was, when, when I changed careers, I spent a lot of time listening and observing who's in charge, who's really in charge. You know, what's the culture like? In, in the organization that I'm working with. Where do I see the need? Um, listening to my peers in terms of what they wanted for their organizations. So getting a sense of that before I leapt in with what my ideas might be. So listening and observing are something that... Um, that I've always done, but proved to be really pretty powerful as I changed careers through my life. Thank you for sharing that, Yvonne. And, you know, where you are now, right? Like I know that this is the second time that we have had a an online catch-up. We caught up a few weeks ago as well. Something that I'd love to hear from you is where do you believe you get your limitless drive and energy? Where does that come from? My parents, mm. particularly back again to mom. She was very, very firm when I graduated from high school that I was going to college. Now for her, it was that should something happen to my husband, that I would have a career to fall back on to yeah. provide support to my family. She lost her father when she was 10. And so she went through the Great Depression and the struggling that her mother had to do with having food on the table. Mom said that dinners for them was elbow macaroni, canned milk, salt and pepper for many nights, and they might get meat on the weekend. So she really wanted me to have a career, to have an education. Besides that, she was the one who took me to the library and got me books. She was the one who told me stories. She was the one who was just so pleased when I brought home a good report card. You know, she really supported um, my education in that way. You know, so yeah. I, I always knew that learning would be a way to please her. And so that's what I did. And when I struck out in college to sing with the choir in college and to act with the theater group, she supported all of that too. And, and she yeah. and dad were always at my performances, no matter what, you know. So I had that support of growing up. And from my dad, he used to say a lot of times, just go do it and ask permission later. So that was something that I got from him, you know, that also became a part of, of the motivation that I have towards whatever it is I do. And, you know, the fact that you have mentioned your parents and in particular your mom multiple times just shows the power of our environment in how we develop, especially when we're growing up in our childhood years. But I think that just reaffirms the power of this conversation and how this conversation is going to be shared into other women's ears and minds. They're going to have this voice of permission in a way, although you just said that you don't need to ask for permission, but it's this voice of empowerment and inspiration and, you know, allowance of you can do what you want to do. You can be different. You can do something that's against what everyone else is doing. And I think that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. 
I was I was really lucky in that sense. The other part of that is I watched my parents go through some tough times. Yeah, you would have. And not just that, but not having a lot of money, struggling, you know. Uh, my mother's mother was in a mental institution for a while, as was her brother. And to see how she navigated, she and dad both navigated um, those kinds of things. Our house was the house where you came if you had nowhere else to live. Mm. And so my uncle lived with us. Um, two of dad's, the people he worked with, lived with us when their house burnt down. So I watched my parents deal with hard things. And I watched them when we lost my brother in a car accident. And it took a while, but in their own ways, they rebounded from that. Mm. And so the flip side of all of the nourishment that I got from mom and dad was the role modeling that they did when times yeah. got tough. So knowing that you can get through things. It may take a while and it may not be an easy road and you may struggle. I was able to see through them and through some of the things that I went through myself that it was going to be better at some point. Yeah. Oh, so many learnings to take from that. And I have so many questions that I'd like to ask and so many different paths I want to go down. But something that I'd like to move towards is talking about purpose. And that is what this episode is all about, you know, exploring whether we can have more than one purpose. Because sometimes talking about purpose, it can seem like, okay, what is that one purpose that we should live by? You know, what is the meaning of life? What is the one meaning of life? But I'd like to explore that because clearly over your lifetime, you seem to have served many different roles. You have been of service in so many different ways in, in many different capacities. So how would you describe the lens of how you see purpose? Like what do you believe is the purpose of life? There are two. The first one I talked about a little bit, just a bit before, when life hands you lemons, make lemonade, simply stated. The second is to leave the world a better place because you were in it. So all of my careers, all of them were service, where I genuinely had the opportunity to touch the lives of people to make their lives better. Now, sometimes it was simply helping them to smile. Sometimes it was complicated in learning how to diagram a sentence. You never really know. I had a, a, an opportunity today. I went to the grocery store and an older woman was trying to get the latch on the back of her car up so that she could put her groceries away. And I walked back to her and I just said, is there something I can do to help? And she said, I have a tough time getting the latch to work so that I can raise the back of my car, raise the, the door on the back of my car. And so I did it for her. And she said, thank you. And, and I walked into the grocery store. For me, we have those daily opportunities to be kind and to be generous. And so that's also a part of my purpose on a daily basis to in small ways and in large ways, make the world a better place than it was a moment ago. I, I love that so much because, you know, I, I speak about purpose a lot. That is a big part of my vision and the message I want to share, but there can be this perception of purpose as being this big 
intimidating, far away, one day thing, you know, like one day I'll fulfill my purpose. It's not me right now, but like one day, it's kind of like that question when you're young and you're in (laughs) school and then people, adults, they ask you, oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, what do you want to do in the future? What do you want to do before you die? And there is almost like this mentality of one day in the future, but a purpose doesn't have to be that intimidating, far away thing. As mm-hmm. you were saying, Avon, it's the small or big things that we do every single day. It's actually something that we can start living by now because we are living every single day. We are con- contributing, whether we realize it or not, every single day already. So the question mm-hmm. is, how can we move that so that it does align to our values or it does make the world a better place. Absolutely. And and again, going back to the small things, it doesn't take a lot to be kind. It doesn't take a lot to notice someone struggling. It doesn't take a lot to be in your car and somebody wants to make a turn in front of you to allow them to do that. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't have to be this big brand action. Do I want to be president of the United States? No. That's a huge purpose. But I think a symbol that comes into my mind is something that, that I've often seen people talk about, and that's throwing a pebble into a pond and you watch the ripple just grow and grow and grow until it reaches the shore. So that's a great, for me, symbol of what I mean by the small things. That pebble was small, but what it created in the ripples that go out is big. It stretched. So that would be what I would say, you know, is is to think of the small things that you can do to align yourself with, whatever the purpose might be. What are those little things that fit into? And you said values, you know, living by a set of values. Yeah, yes. And, And that to me ties in very closely with our purpose because for me, my purpose is to create as much of a positive impact as possible whilst I am on this planet. So reworded from yours, but in a very similar um, line of thinking. Mm-hmm. So then my values are very closely tied to that, such as love, such as impact, such as um, experience. Like the more that I can experience, the more I can help different people and understand different scenarios and put myself in different people's shoes. Leadership is another one of my values. And because it's all closely linked when I follow my values and live in alignment to my values, then I also then get to fulfill my purpose. It's, it's something that is intertwined every single day. You know, while you were talking, another thing came to mind, and that's when I close my eyes for the final time, because it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Nobody gets out of here, you know, alive. I want to be able to close my eyes and, and, and with the memory of having done just those things. Yeah. Now, sometimes I mess up and sometimes I have to take responsibility for messing up, but that's a part of it too. You know, if I'm living by a set of values and I'm not particularly living by them, then I need to be accountable for them. And this is something that I found along the way too, is that instead of trying to hide when I made a mistake, if I just went and said, oops, or I'm really sorry, or I really blew that, that it was so much easier. I didn't have to worry about what people were going to think. I didn't have to worry about if I was going to get caught. You know, it was just that I I did something and I needed to take care of it. And that was something I think that came from my parents as well. You know, yes. is they were much easier on us when we fessed up 
than if we tried to hide something. So that was a valuable lesson. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that um, because that's that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, we're, you know, going back to what you said before, when you close your eyes for the last time, you want to feel that sense of peace and that readiness because you have lived and served in the way that you, you, you want to utilize for your life, like the way that you want to um, live your life, essentially. And mm-hmm. that reminds me of um, a, a running race I once did. So I used to do a lot of fun runs. And there was one particular race that was quite different from the rest. In this race, it's, it's called the Wings for Life World Run. All the runners start on the start line and they all start at the same time. So that's pretty standard. But where this race is different to other races is that there isn't a finish line. There isn't a set finish line. What happens is half an hour after all the runners start running, a car at the start line turns on and it starts to drive. And it starts off slowly, but then every half an hour, it increases its speed incrementally. And the race ends when the car catches up to you. That is when your race ends. So in between starting and finishing, the goal is to run as fast as you can for as long as you can until the car catches you. Now, this is interesting, but the reason why I'm sharing this is because this race is our life. Because what's the start line? The day that we were born. What is the, the, the moments that the car catches up to us? It is the moment that we close our eyes for the last time. And everything in between, the run in between, is our life. The car doesn't slow down. It doesn't run out of petrol. It is guaranteed to catch up to us. And it's going to catch up to different people at different points in time. But what matters is that run in between. Mm -hmm. That run in between. How are we going to use that run? Because even though that car does catch up to us, that run still happens. It still exists. It still matters. And then what we do during that run can leave a legacy as well. Our run may be transient. It may come to an end. But what we can do during Mm -hmm. that run can outlast the run. It reminds me of one of the chapters in my second book, which is Dying with Dad. Dying with Dad is basically how I became comfortable talking about death and dying and how my father and I had really open conversations about what he wanted when his end came. But to build, uh, one of the chapters was about a client that I had, and she had an acute illness that kept her on medications and limited her her life and finally ended up that she needed to go on disability. And of course, depression would be a part of the thing that would come along with that. And she would come in to see me and we would talk about things. But it got to the point that I would see her and then I wouldn't see her and I would see her and I wouldn't see her. And along the way, I began to question, what am I doing for? Am I really helping her? And I went to a conference on trauma, and the professor who was teaching it was really very good. And so I went up to him during a break to tell him about this client and and see what kind of advice he would give me. So I did the description that I just gave you, and he said to me, there's really only one question you need to ask her. And I said, okay, what is that? He said, the question is, How do you want to live until you die? It blew my socks off. I didn't take in much of the afternoon in that conference because I was so stuck on, wow, can I ask that question? Do I have it in me? Because that's really, that's really pretty profound. So lo and behold, she calls me after a while and she comes back for a tune-up and I'm sitting there thinking, can I ask it? Can I ask it? And I just decided to go for it. And so I said, here's, here's a question. It's going to be hard for me to ask you, but it's something I'd like you to think about. How do you want to live until you die? She broke up. She started laughing like I hadn't seen her laugh in a long time. 
And she said to me, she said, Yvonne, that's the best question you've ever asked me. And from then on, when we did our tune-ups, that's exactly where we would start. How do you want to live until you die? And she started putting those things in place that she could do that would fulfill, we're back at purpose, that she could fill that purpose and still take care of her health in a way that she needed to take care of. So that sounds to me like your race. Absolutely. How do you want to live until you hit that finish line? Yes. These are big questions. And I would I would encourage the listeners right now. Um, I know this is a podcast episode where, you know, you probably want to know what's coming up next and there's there's more juicy questions to come. But even pause the episode right now. And if you're on a run, <laughs> of course, I use that as the first example. If you're driving, if you're doing chores, like why not spend the next five or 10 minutes in silence and actually answer that question for yourself? Because that's the beautiful thing about these conversations. They're inspiring, but they're also practical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually get clarity and and create change immediately after this. So yeah, I'd encourage you to pause this and spend the next five, 10 minutes to ponder on that question. How do you want to live until you die? Thank you for sharing that, Yvonne. It's, it's a wonderful story. It, it has motivated me in more ways than one. And that's one of the beauty of being a one of the beauties rather being a therapist is that there is so much you learn from the people that you're sitting with, you know, so it's, it's a two way, wonderful exchange, watching people grow and growing with them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to take the conversation back just to what we were talking before about purpose and how you mentioned that purpose is being of service, leaving the world better than how we were born onto it. When you're explaining your purpose, and I I did the same, right? We're able to explain it in such a succinct way. You know, this is our purpose. Yet throughout our lifetime, there are so many different ways that that purpose can be served. As you said, it can be helping someone with with their car. (laughs) It can be all the different careers that you have been a part of. So with that, can you share the difference between like that high level purpose of how you want to live your life and all the different ways that you can actually serve that purpose? Wow. When I pause, I'm thinking. I'm waiting for the right brain to catch up with the left brain or vice versa. But I think what you said to your audience about put the pause button on and take five minutes to think about how you want to live till you die. At various times during the day, take that five minutes to just kind of sit back, get very still, and say, where am I going? What have I done today? What do I want to do today? Um, Is my life moving in a way that feels fulfilling. Um, We don't do that often enough. We don't slow down often enough. Um, Sometimes for me, it's that early morning and I haven't gotten out of bed yet, but in the quiet and stillness of just having woken up, I'll think about what am I going to do today and how does what I have in mind fulfill where I'm headed, the direction that I'm taking. And and is that in balance? You know, am I doing for myself what I say other people should do? So so am I am I am I moving in the direction of marketing my book or am I moving in the direction of giving a speech? Am I moving in a direction And at the same time, have I taken care of my own needs? So I think that has to be a part of purpose, self-care. Yeah, Yeah. there are so many different parts to to purpose. And that's the thing, like, I think some, some of us can 
feel the pressure of having to discover or find that one purpose, the one reason we were put on this earth. But it, it doesn't have to be that one thing. You know, as you say, it's the self-care because if we don't look after ourselves first, how can we then shine our light on the rest of the world? It can be through the small things that we do daily. It can be through our work as a vessel of change. It can be through so many different ways that are going to be constantly evolving throughout our lifetime. That's the thing, you know, like, yeah, um, we're, we're constantly what evolving. Said. What you just said reminds me of another training that I did on high-level wellness. And and if you look at the categories in wellness, often you'll see the, the wellness wheel. They'll say uh, things like social and spiritual mm. and financial and yeah. on and on and exercise, you know, and, and, and eating and all those kinds of things. They all fit into that purpose. Yeah. You know, they are the pieces of the puzzle. So being able to keep those things in balance, I think are the steps that are going to make people look back on their life and say, it was meaningful. Yeah. I didn't pay attention to one necessarily to one big grand thing, but I had all of these pieces that fit into a wholeness. Yeah. And that's the word for it, a wholeness that felt good, a wholeness that felt satisfying, a wholeness that basically goes back to my life mattered. To many, many people, my life mattered, and it mattered because I was able to fit in many of those things. Oh, that that is powerful right there, wholeness. Like to really sit in that because sometimes we can get, you know, caught up in the the micro. Uh, I've been mm -hmm. asked before, you know, what if uh, my my job itself isn't specifically serving a a purpose that I feel very passionate about? And I'm like, you know, maybe it doesn't have to. Like maybe your job and the skills that you have allow you to get paid a lot. And then using your wealth, you can actually direct the, those finances into services or, you know, charities or just different um, forms of change for this planet. Like maybe that is actually a more effective use of your time um, because it doesn't have to be every part of your life is serving this purpose, but it's part of that wholeness. And if you can create the most impact possible without necessarily having to be hands-on, then isn't that the, the purpose? Isn't that the point to create as much impact or to serve as much as possible? It's not whether or not we're, we're specifically hands-on in our work itself. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. a very spiritual concept. Mm. Effective altruism, I believe that's called. Yes, it's a very spiritual concept. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I think that's something that's worth mentioning because sometimes I know I felt a little bit guilty about this at one point that, you know, my work, maybe I, maybe I should be on the front lines. Maybe I should be getting my hands dirty, volunteering, working for charities. But I was thinking it doesn't have to be like that. You know, there are other ways to serve. There are more full and whole ways to use our energy and our resources and our time to make the most impact possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Yvonne, um, we're, we are getting nearly to the end of this episode. I'm loving this so much. I'm not ready for it to be over yet. But I do want to ask you one final question before we go into the rapid fire questions. Okay. And this question is based on your incredibly rich and diverse lifetime of experiences and accomplishments. What is the final message that you would like to leave with the listeners? Like a lot of the listeners are women in their 20s, in their 30s. They've got a whole lifetime ahead of them. Mm -hmm. What is the final message you would like to leave? Self-esteem. And that's no matter what, being able to look at yourself and like who you are. That's a hard one because we've got so much from the culture beating at us, be thinner, be smarter, you know, do your hair a certain way. So what it erodes is self-esteem. 
but self-esteem is really the key. Being really comfortable in your own skin, liking who you are and liking what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And can I ask one more question on that? Based on your experiences, what have you found has worked to increase or elevate one's self-esteem? Moment to moment, how I think about myself. Yeah. If I'm if if I'm being negative, and and this is a cognitive thing that I do in therapy. If I'm being negative about myself, to find that thought that created the negativity and to challenge it, am I being real or is the thought manufactured? Is it a problem I need to face and work on, or am I making it harder by thinking? a something that isn't true. You know, like, I'm not good enough. Well, that's not true. I'm not smart enough. That's not true. Mm. You know, to be able to, again, pause for that five minutes and say, I'm unhappy. Why am I unhappy? What am I thinking? Is it real? Yes. If it's real, how do I need to change it? I like that. So everyone, once again, make sure you pause the episode right now and run yourself through this thinking process. You know, what's the thought that I've had? Where did it come from? Is it real? I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Yvonne. Well, now we have the fun part. I mean, this whole episode has been fun, but we've got like the particularly fun part of the episode where I'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions so that we can get to know you a little bit more outside of what we've already spoken about. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right. Question number one. What is your favorite movie? Amadeus. Oh, I haven't heard of it before. Amadeus oh. is the movie about Mozart. Oh, okay. I need to ask you another question now. What makes that your favorite movie? Getting a look at what, at least from a creative theatrical, might have been what moved that man to write the music that he wrote. Yeah. Oh. Oh. So much. Every every time you say something, Yvonne, I'm just like, oh, I feel this. I love it. <laughs> uh, okay, next rapid fire question. For you, what do you prefer, mornings or nights? Mornings. Mm. Well, thank I you can for think doing... most clearly in the morning. Yeah. I get yeah. my best work done in the morning. Agreed. I'm the same. So I want to actually even mentioned right now, I know that you're recording this at nighttime. So thank you for your time. And um, that's why I just see you as someone with all this energy because yeah, nighttimes, you're still here. You're still switched on. You're still showing up. Love it. Um, next question. Most memorable place that you've ever traveled? Wow. I have been all over Europe, so it's very hard. Um, okay. Singing with the church choir in the Winchester Cathedral for a week in England. Wow. I can imagine why that would be memorable. Beautiful. How many coffees a day for you? One in the morning. Yep. Standard. And then last question, Yvonne, if you could do just one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? I think painting. Hmm. artistically painting, creating things with brushes and canvas and oil. Mm, yeah, I can imagine. It's one of those hobbies, one of those activities that you can just get lost in the flow, you know, all time and everything else just disappears and you just get lost in this world. How beautiful. Well, Yvonne, that takes us to the end of this episode. Wow. What a conversation that was. Thank you so much for sharing those stories, so much inspiration and empowerment for the listeners. Before we wrap up though, please share with us where um, we can find out more about you. If anyone's got any questions, if they want to reach out, where they can um, get in contact with you. They can Google Ingenium Books and my name, I-N-G-E-N-I-U-M Books and my name. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, those would be the two best places. And actually, at this point, if you if you use my name in Google, you'll come up with a variety of things. 
Mm, I can vouch for that. I have Googled you and yeah, you're all over the front page. <laughs> you're like, a, you're all over it. So yes, I'll put all of those details um, in the podcast show notes so that it's easy for everyone to find. Maybe we'll need to get you onto Instagram, Yvonne, because that's where I'm most active. So like selfishly, I want you on Instagram so that I can like talk to you there as well. But yeah, LinkedIn, Google, um, I think that there's plenty for, for us to go off. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time again, Yvonne. Um, Thank you for your gift that you have shared with the world. Like no doubt you serving your purpose through all of the different avenues that you have, you're leaving the world a better place. So thank you. So if I may put in a plug for two books. Of course, please do. Dying with Dad is the second book and Flying with Dad is the first book. And the first book led to the second book. Yes, the, the book that you mentioned at the start, Flying with Dad and then Dying with Dad. Right. And Dying with Dad is uplifting. It's not a downer. Mm, yes, please, everyone, click the link in the podcast show notes. That's where the books will be. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, if you loved Yvonne's energy and her stories, there's going to be so much more of that in those books. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you again for you. coming onto the show. It's been great. And there it is, my conversation with Yvonne Caputo on whether or not we can have more than one purpose. I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. There is so much gold to take away from that. And I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to this all over again, because the second time round, you will pick up all of the extra gems and the little practicalities that you can then implement into your life. If you have any questions for either Yvonne or myself, please find our details in the podcast show notes. And if you are enjoying this podcast, whether it's this episode or the different episodes in general, please If you have a moment, I would highly appreciate it. If you hopped on to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating. It really does help to get the podcast out there more. And I would really love to create a platform for guests like Yvonne to be able to touch more heartbeats, to reach more souls and to make the ripple of impact even bigger. Once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the end of another episode. I appreciate you. I love that you were here, part of this community. And I really hope that each of these episodes continue to spread that ripple effect that inspired me to pivot careers and to be doing what I'm doing in the first place. All right, fam, you have a beautiful one and I'll catch you in the next episode.